give some praise this morning, and then you can have a seat. Have a seat. Welcome to church. Everyone joining us online, we are so glad that you guys are here worshiping with us this morning. Pastor James has an awesome message, and so you will be blessed, and so we're just glad to have you. Uh, If you are a guest with us online, there is a link there. You can fill out a connection card. Uh, Let us know who you are. We just want to reach out, connect with you. Same thing here. Uh, If you go out, there's a table out there, so if you are a first-time guest, we would love for you to stop by, uh, say hey, and uh, we just, again, want to answer any questions that you might have about the church, get to know you a little bit. Also, if you guys want to check in on Facebook uh, or online, if you want to share that link, salemfields.com slash live, ask people to join you uh, in worshiping this morning. Uh, it's just a great way to connect with your friends. Also, maybe pull up on Facebook, start a Facebook watch group. Again, just another quick way for you to invite your friends uh, to be a part of what God's doing here at Salem Fields Community Church. Uh, again, we don't usually take our tithes and offerings uh, anymore the way that we used to, but there are many ways that you still can get through the Salem Fields Community Church app. Uh, online, just click that little green button in the top right-hand corner. As always, the giving kiosks are open. You can do debit or credit there. Again, it's just another way that we worship God here at Sandfields Community Church by giving the first and best uh, of what God has given us right back to him for him to do how he pleases. We got a couple of events coming up. Uh, we have an outdoor hike that's going to take place. You can see the date up there, November 14th. Uh, it is a hot chocolate hike. So what better way to walk in the cold drinking some hot chocolate? So, uh, again, want to encourage you guys to be a part of that. Uh, if you have more information, want more information about that, just email uh, Pastor Chris at chris at sandalfields.com. Uh, also coming up, our Family Connect ministry, they are doing a online, so a virtual outdoor scavenger hunt. So how is it going to take place online and outdoors? Well, uh, on 9 a.m. on uh, November 21st, they are going to release on their Facebook page uh, the scavenger hunt list. And then you go out and you spend some time finding those items, and then you gather back together at 3 p.m. through a Zoom meetup. And so they'll have the link on their Facebook page as well. Uh, It's just going to be a great time for you guys to just connect um, it's just going to be a blast, uh, something awesome to do on the 21st. And so if you want more information about that, uh, just email Rini at SalemFields.com. Also, we have a table out in the lobby, and what we've done is we prepared some uh, gift card, some card kits uh, for us to be able to connect with our ministry partners in Nigeria and Salem Fields. Just a way to make a card and then uh, just kind of write a note. Just saying that we're praying for you, just Merry Christmas, and just want to really just bless them with just words of encouragement. You know, uh, the pandemic has hit not just this country, but the entire world, and they're also uh, battling other things in those regions of the world as well. And so just a great way to just spread some Christmas cheer to them and just bless them. So really want to encourage you, pick up a kit out there, um, and again, just uh, let's bless them as a church together. Also this week, we uh, know that it is uh, Veterans Day, so uh, we just want to, I mean, sorry, yeah, Veterans Day, Memorial Day, Veterans Day, whatever, I always get them mixed up, but uh, we really just want to honor all you veterans, um, and just really, uh, do we have any veterans in the house here this morning? Can you guys just stand up? Can we just, uh, just celebrate them and just applaud them as they stand? 
Thank you guys so much for your service and everyone joining us online as well. We are so thankful of the sacrifice that you have made as uh, just a church. We just want to just really applaud you and just say how thankful we are uh, for all that you have done for this country and for each and every single one of us. So truly, truly from the bottom of our heart, thank you. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. We're going to continue to sing and worship together this morning. We're going to teach you a new song. Um, I love the heart of this song. It's really just uh, playing off of the idea of how God led the Israelites out of Egypt. But we might not be in physical bondage ourselves, but there might be areas in our life that we feel like we're in spiritual bondage or we are just having a struggle that we just wish God could set us free from. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that God does want you to be free, and he's come to set you free. So just really receive this word, receive this blessing. Let's declare this as a church together, and let's stand to our feet and sing. I won't forget the wonder of how you brought deliverance. The exodus of my heart You found me, you freed me Held back the waters from my release Oh Yahweh Cause you're the God who fights for me Lord of every victory Hallelujah Hallelujah You have told Into the 
promised land Now I will not forget you I sing of all you've done Death is swallowed up forever By the fury of your love You stepped into my Egypt You took me by the head You marched me out of freedom every single blessing for how you've led us for how you've delivered us god you are so good you are so good father and we just want to continue to praise you and so i believe that there are 10 things that each and every single one of you have thought about since the last time we did this that he has still blessed you continue to sing that out continue to give him thanks continue to, to lift up your hands and pray saying god i thank you i thank you where you brought me from I just want to give you honor and glory and praise forever and ever. Amen. Come on. Because you stepped into my Egypt. You took me by the hand. You marched me out of freedom. Straight to the promised land. And now I will not forget you all. I'll sing of all you've done. Death is swallowed up forever. Praise 
Just start to focus our hearts in you. God, what do you have for us this morning? God, we've gathered in your presence. We want to receive your truth. We want to receive the blessing that you have of your word. God, knowing that each and every single one of your promises are for us right here, right now, we receive them, Father.
Father, knowing that you are for us and that you are with us. Father, that emboldens us, that gives us the confidence to walk step by step and day by day. And we thank you for that. We do not take these moments in your presence for granted, Father. Father, we've come to meet with you. And I pray that you'll be with Pastor James as he delivers this word, that we would receive it, that we would respond, God, that we would walk in confidence knowing that you are with us and you are for us and you have a purpose for us. For each and every single one of us, no matter what our past is, 
Father, you want to lead us towards a future. You want to lead us towards a future that is firmly, firmly founded upon you. God, we love you. Our hearts are open to you. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, worship team. That just happens to be one of my favorite songs these days. A blessing right from God's word, right? And so sometimes I lose my voice singing that song. <laughs> and so I hope today I've not lost it already. Well, good morning on the weekend after the election. <laughs> you know, uh, every now and then something happens in our culture, happens in our country, in our world, where I have to take an unplanned message and kind of set it right in the middle of what's going on. And so I guess the election is almost over. Well, maybe after some recounts and some runoff and some, some investigations, just maybe, just maybe this two-year national nightmare will come to an end. Where does that leave us as 350 million Americans with 145 million of us who voted? Some of those 350 million Americans are upset today and some others are elated. So no matter what side of the vote you fell on or the zoo you ended up on, the question for belongers, the question for the people of God, the questions for those who are called to be the church is how can we help a fractured nation, a fractured culture come together to worship the one and only God? Now, when I say the word zoo, I'm not saying it in a derogatory way, though it could be taken in a derogatory way. What I'm speaking of is the animals that represent our mostly two-party system of politics in USA America, namely donkeys, Democrats, and elephants, Republicans. Each of these animals supposedly speak to our values, our beliefs, and our convictions. Now, while the campaign and the election may be over, there are new battle lines being drawn between the elephant and the donkey, even as I speak today. There is no doubt that America is at a high tension point with politics and race and wars and education and freedoms and so on and so on and so on, each incident that occurs causes a wedge to grow deeper and wider and wider, leading to more arguments where, where people make points and miss hearts. It's the reason why I don't do a lot of politic talking on Facebook or on Instagram or Twitter or anything like that. Because you can't see hearts, you can't determine attitudes or motives or, or things like that. And so I stay away from some of those things. As this goes on and on, it's clear to me that the political arena that we sit in today has turned more into kind of a selfish contest of posturing oneself for what one wants instead of thinking about the collective whole and so here's a question this morning as we begin this message. What is the most important thing 
in America. As, as in, if you could kind of step back from it all and view the whole picture, what do you think is the greatest priority of our country? Now, some may say sports. Maybe that's shallow, but we do pay these guys and girls lots of money. So maybe you say the World Series or the Stanley Cup playoff or the NBA Finals are the most important thing in America. Sports, of, after all, are the great American pastime or distraction. Some of you would say sports. I stopped paying attention to that a long time ago. Maybe, maybe the greatest thing in America is our willingness to fight against tyranny and terrorism. We consider ourselves fighters for truth and justice in an American way. So maybe some would say most, the most important thing in America is that we're defenders of democracy. What is the most important thing in America? I would make the case that America's freedom is the most important thing in America. Think about it for a moment. Freedom to choose, freedom to speak, freedom to worship, freedom to vote. Nothing is more important to Americans on the political left or the right than our freedom, the freedom of the individual. We hear about freedom all the time. Freedom is so important. Freedom is so integral to who we are that we've created a culture where privacy is sought more than community or belonging where no one should be asked to suffer for anyone else's issues or problems, and where we get to say whatever we want, and others get to say whatever they want, as long as they don't offend us too much. <laughs> In a strange and weird way, our bondage to political realities and political choices has resulted in our bondage to freedom. And then you say, James, that doesn't make any sense. How can we be bound to freedom? Well, let me tell you how. Last week, we celebrated on November the 1st, All Saints Day. The Capital C Church celebrates All Saints Day. All Saints Day is to give recognition to, to give recognition to, to celebrate the belongers who have gone before us. The saints that are the great cloud of witnesses that are talked about in the Bible that have gone before us in faith and, and stretches across the centuries and around the world. Now, we don't get to choose our saints. We don't get to choose the people who've gone before us. We don't get to choose the people who kind of set the pace for us. Maybe there is a biblical hero old. Maybe it's a grandmom or grandfather or some pastor or person in a church that you grew up knowing. But they are celebrated as the people who blaze the path for us, we don't get to choose them, and we don't get to choose our politicians. Well, we, we get to choose them a little bit like this, that we vote for them, but I think we, we get the politicians that we deserve. So today, our culture has been separated into two divided categories, donkeys and elephants. Just about every fabric of our lives can be whittled down to one of the two dominant political ideologies. And if you don't believe me, just turn on the TV, read the newspaper, jump online, or even drive down the road and you will be bombarded to, by one of these two political ideologies, one of these two political animals, the cultural 
and the political ideologies of the elephant and the donkey are so pervasive, so suffocating, and so oppressive that they often force us to identify which camp we're in, further dividing us. And sadly, because of this ultimate freedom, the thing that we hold most dear, we can surround ourselves with people who look like us, people who think like us, people who act like us, and most importantly, sometimes people who vote just like us. Now, I'm not here this morning to promote a policy or, or to promote a, 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 some kind of party, but I'm here rather to offer an alternative option to the donkey and the elephant. Here's the reality. I believe it's a mistake for churches, belongers, Christ followers and beyond to think that one political party will solve the issues around us or lead us closer to or further from God. When I was growing up, I had this idea that a gift from my birthday or Christmas would solve all the problems that I had in life. And so I had this idea that if I got the car track or I got the G.I. Joe or I got the skateboard or I got the bike, then that was going to solve the problems that were going on until I got whatever I was looking for. And for a moment, everything seemed to be okay until the problems came back. And so the way I solved that was, well, the next birthday or the next Christmas, I'll ask for something bigger and better, something that I want more. And you know what happened? It doesn't solve the problem. And many of us have this idea that if we give and we go and we serve and we debate and we yell and we scream for one political ideology or another, that it will solve all the problems of our country, of our globe, or our collective and individual problems. And what we find out is when all the elections are over and all the placards are pet away for another two years before the next fight begins, what we find is the problems are not solved. And the same problems that are here today seem to be here again and again and again. Jesus kind of offers a different perspective. Jesus asked us in the blueprints for a belonging community to be salt and light. He asked us to love him and to love others the way he has loved us. He asked us to free ourselves from a, a judgmental fake sense of ourselves and to receive, to receive and give grace fully to other people. He asked us to be the church he asked us to bring people together. He asked us not to worry about what we wear or what's, what we eat and where we live and all of that kind of stuff because he said he's got it. So our blueprints for belonging community gave us an ethic of how we should live as the people of God. But here's what can happen. Our unwavering allegiance to the elephant or the donkey can stand in the way of living out those blueprints for a belonging community 
So how do we vote our values? How do we support our political candidates and continue to be the church that brings people together in victory or defeat? How do we do that? How do we continue to be passionate about what we believe, passionate about what we believe will make the country and the nation and the globe a better place, passionate about supporting the, the candidates that we love? How do we do that, win or lose, and still be the church? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> so what do we do? How do we respond, whether we're on a winning side or a losing side? What do we do? How do we march into tomorrow with our, with our elation or our disappointment, depending on what side of the aisle we sit on? Our number one, our modus for operandi, our number one mode of operation is, our number one purpose is to love God and to love people, period. Jesus asked one day, what is the greatest commandment? Someone came to him and said, Jesus, uh, I know we got all of these books. I know we have the Pentateuch and the Torah. I know we have all of these books. We have wisdom literature and all of this, but would you, would you give me the Twitter version of it? Would you give me, for those of you older, the Reader's Digest version of it or the Cliff Notes version of it? <laughs> Would you give me that, Jesus? And he said, you can take it and you can boil it down to two commandments. Love God and love others. Love God and love others. Love God and others. And what I see in our world and what I see on social media and what I hear and what I read is not loving God and loving others. And our attempt to make sure our side wins. And our attempt to make sure our values are more important than anyone else's and our attempt to make sure the things that we believe in gets first place. We have moved away from the greatest commandments, which is to love God and love others. And, 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 and John, 1 John makes it so important that if we say we love God and we don't love others, we're lying and the truth is not in us. So if you really want to show how you love God, love others. John says it like this, if you, can't, if you can't love people that you see and you interact with and you walk and talk with on a daily basis, how are you going to love the God that you cannot see? So he challenges us. Micah 6.8 says it like this, but he's already made it plain how to live, what to do, what God is looking for in men and women. It's quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love and don't make, take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. Love mercy, love justice, and walk humbly with God. So this means, this means this, that connecting and belonging to others based on Jesus' principle instead of political principles. It means that we don't splinter away from belonging to God and each other based on how we vote. Instead, we, are, we belong through the grace and mercy of Christ. It means that we understand the realities of us with different ethnicities and economic statuses and more because Jesus asked us to show compassion to one another. 
It means that we seek to make a difference and not just make our point because just making our point breeds debate and division. It means that showing the goodness of God to all people and letting his church shine brighter and brighter for his glory. You do know, you do know that when we love people, despite their political differences and leanings and values and different things like that, what it does is it, it, it lets Jesus' light shine so people may serve him, so people may believe that he came. Because when everyone agrees with me, and when I hang out with people who look like me and who act like me and who vote like me, it's easy to love them. It's easy to get along with them. You're one of me, you know? We're together. We believe alike. We vote alike. But what happens when we hang out with people who, won't, who don't vote like us, who don't act like us, who don't look like us? That's when the hard work of Christianity, that's when the hard work of belonging begins. And we're called to do the hard work of belonging, of letting our light shine. Our greatest honor is to be his representatives. Being a Republican or Democrat pales, independent, Green Party, whatever you would be, pales in comparison to the opportunity to be a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says it like this, we're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into the God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God because he's already friend with you. So I'm here offer, this morning to offer a third way, a third way, not the, re, not the elephant, Republican, or, or the donkey Democrat, but I'm here to offer the way of the lamb, the belonger in Christ. So the question this morning, are you sold out to the donkey or the elephant or the lamb? A better way, it's a third choice, the lamb of God, he's the solution to the problems that, 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 and the crises that we're facing. His love has the power to melt the highest mountain of pain and to, to crush the highest wall of, of division. He's gentle, he's humble, and he's reaching out to all humanity equally, no matter the case against us. The Bible says he's the prince of peace. He's the counselor, the almighty God, the savior of the world, the lover of our souls, the light of the world, the bread of life, and it goes on and on and on, the son of God and the son of man. He's the humble servant, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's a water of life. I love this. The healer, the deliverer, the redeemer, the champion of heaven. John the Baptist describes him this way. You remember John. John is his cousin. He's born before him to Elizabeth. He comes on the scene. He begins to prepare the way for Jesus. And John has quite a following. And people are following him. And, and John's considered a prophet he goes before Jesus, and one day he sees Jesus coming. And the Bible says, the, it says it like this, the very next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he yelled out, here he is, God's Passover lamb. He forgives the sins of the world. Not a donkey, not an elephant, but the lamb. 
isn't this what we need? Isn't this the longing of our human heart to, to, to serve a God, to love a God who knows us best and loves us most, who forgives our sins, who takes us from where we are and takes us where we need to be, who provides his unmerited favor for us? who looks beyond our, our faults and who meets and sees our need. So I encourage you to continue to express your values and, 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 and vote your values and his values, but more importantly, to vote for the lamb daily with your life. That as you walk, as you talk on the job and in your home and in your neighborhoods, and whatever you gather, that you would walk and, and that you would talk and that you would act on behalf of the lamb. More important than the elephant or a donkey, the lamb. Paul goes on to say like something like this. So here's what I want you to do. My favorite scripture, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, your going to work, your walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing, the best thing, the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. You know what our culture is about? Our culture is about elephants and donkeys. Our culture is about division. Our culture is about partisanship. Our culture is about arguing and debating and hating and throwing people away. Our culture is about dividing us. That's what our culture is about. But you, you don't live that way. You don't act like that. You are a belonger. And so you don't fit into your culture without even thinking. Instead, the Bible says you and I, we fix our attention on God. And then we're changed, not from the outside in, but from the inside out, readily recognize what he wants for you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture that's always dragging, always dragging us down to a level of immaturity. If there's anything that I've seen in the last two years as we've had this political debate, it's been a level of immaturity. If you don't believe like I believe, I throw you away. If you don't believe like I believe, you're an idiot. If you don't espouse the values that I espouse, somehow you're a demon or a devil, and we throw people away all the time. People created in the image of God. People that Jesus died for. Thrown away, pushed away. That's not what we are called to be, church. We're called to love people the way Jesus loved us. We didn't have his values when he found us in the pig pen of our lives. We didn't have his beliefs when he found us, when we had nothing, of all, uh, nothing to offer him. The Bible says when we were of no use whatsoever to him, Christ died for us. We didn't have his values. We didn't have any of that, but yet he died for us, yet he came for us, yet he's extended his grace for us, and he's transformed us from the inside out, and he says, extend the same grace to other people. Remember, they don't have his values. But maybe, just maybe, if you'll plant a seed, if you'll be a part of watering a seed, that maybe, just maybe, God will allow you to harvest the seed, and then 
they will have his values. And let's, let's be careful. Let's not assume that our values are Christ's values. We assume that sometimes, that God thinks the way we think, that God's values are our values. That's not necessarily so. Say amen, church. <laughs> so we're called to choose his path and his agenda above all else to put your faith and my faith and hope in him above all, holding the kingdom of God above political parties. By doing this, we won't miss our opportunity. We won't miss our opportunity as our mission so clearly states to know Jesus and share real hope with anyone, anywhere. So this is our moment. This is our moment through the political divide, through all the hatred and partisanship. This is our moment to stand up and be the people of God who brings people together, to be the people of covenant, to be the people of grace, to to be the people who loves those created in the image of God. This is our time to be salt, to bring flavor to the world, to preserve the world. This is our time to be light that points to Jesus. This is our moment to show his radical love to our neighbors, to our co-workers, to our family members, and to people who don't act like us, who don't look like us, and who don't vote like us. This is our opportunity to display his power and grace wherever we are. So as belongers and saints, we are part of those who would live and give and surrender our lives, not to the donkey, not to the elephant, but to the lamb. John, in that last closing book of the Bible called Revelation, describes a scene in heaven that looks like this. Listen to what he says. I looked again and I saw a huge crowd, too huge to count. Everyone was there, all nations and tribes, all races and languages. And they were standing dressed in white robes, waving palm branches, standing there before the throne and the lamb, the donkey won't be there. The elephant won't be there. The lamb and heartily singing salvation to our God on his throne, salvation to the lamb, not the donkey, not the elephant, salvation to the lamb. And all who were standing around the throne, angels and elders and animals fell on their face before the throne and worshiped God singing, oh yes, the blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving, the honor and power and strength to our God forever and ever. Oh, yes. And just then, I love this. One of the elders addressed me. Who are these dressed in white robes? And where did they come from? Taken aback, I said, oh, sir, I have no idea, but you must know. And then he told me, these are those who have come from the great tribulation, and they washed their robes and scrubbed them clean in the blood of the lamb. Not the elephant, not the donkey, in the blood of the lamb, right? Yes. That's why they're standing before God's throne, because they have washed their robes in the blood of the lamb. That's why they're standing before God's throne, and they serve him day and night in his temple 
the one on the throne will pitch his tent there for them. No more hunger, no more thirst, no more scorching heat. The lamb on the throne will shepherd them and lead them to springs of water of life. And God will wipe every last tear from their eyes. It's a great scene. It's the scene that the partisanship goes away. It's the scene where all the detestable things go away. It's the scene where all the problems have passed. Revelation is, is really one of the weirder books in the Bible, right? One that we don't often read in church. Mark your calendars because in June, I will begin a three-summer series on the book of Revelation. You will not want to miss that series. In it, the book of Revelation, you find all kinds of stuff that people shout from the street corners of life. In it, we can read about beasts and, and dragons and, and prophets and, and bows and plagues and everything like that. But the main character in Revelation is not a beast. It's not, it's not a, a, a false prophet. It's not an antichrist. It's not bows and plagues and ribbons and everything. Like the main character in the book of Revelation is the lamb. He's the main character, the lamb of God. And, and, and oftentimes it's used by those who have a more fundamentalist view, leaning the details. They kind of use it sometimes, of the details of wrath and destruction, everything like that, to kind of scare faith in the people. But the main point, the main thing in Revelation is the Lamb. But for as much as Revelation is about a time yet to come, it's also about the time of faithful people like us in the here and now. The vision, con con the vision contains a great multitude that no one could count. Every nation, every tribe, every language, they're there, they're before the Lamb. This is the group that is beyond all groups. <laughs> this, is, this is the group that's represented by everyone. The church is represented in that scene the church is one of the last remaining places where we willingly gather together with people who don't think and don't look and don't act and don't vote like us. The church is a place where we believe our belonging is more important and more determinative than our political sign in, the front of our, in our front yard or the people whose name we choose in a voting booth. Whether we gather online or we gather in our homes or our jobs or our neighborhoods or in this space, we are brought before the throne with the lamb at the center. This thing we call worship, this thing we call worship is our best chance to be reminded that God is one guiding us to springs of water, that God is the one invested in working and wiping away every tear from our eye. We live in the in-between time between the Alpha Omega and beginning and the end. You and I are found somewhere in that picture. Remember, we're in the in-between time. What we do matter. How we love matter. How our light shines matter. How we add flavor to the world matters. What you're doing right now matters. Don't allow allegiance to a donkey or elephant take you away. 
take you away from God, the Lamb of God who washes and takes away the sins of the world, take you away from him being the main thing in your life, the modus operandi of loving him and loving others. In the scripture, this idea of singing is this idea of worship, of expressing our thanksgiving and our praise to the one who is due our thanksgiving and praise. And so that scene in Revelation, where all the voices are coming together, good voices and bad voices, I'm going to be able to sing loud there and it won't be anything wrong with it. No one will know that I'm off key or off tune or flat. It's going to be a great scene. It's going to be a great scene there, there, where we, we are there between Alpha and Omega. The beautiful tones of God's final word stretches into eternity and reaches back, reaches back into the furthest moment of time itself. And like the belongers of Revelation, we sing the music of the saints. The very music of salvation gives a different sound and, 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 and helps us to, to reprioritize what we think is important in life. When we sing with the great cloud of witnesses, past and present and future, we boldly proclaim that it's always the Lord and not the empire and not a political party and not a political ideology that liberates us, that the Lord is the one who brings salvation, that the Lord is the one that will put an end to hatred and strife and murder and killing and raping. It's the Lord who does all of that. And so our allegiance should be to the Lord's agenda it should be to the Lord's agenda who says that, that, that I've taught you. You already know what you should do. That you should seek justice and that you should love mercy and that you should walk humbly with God. When we lift our voices to the sky, we do so in declaration that the lamb is more important than the donkey or the elephant. The heavenly choir of revelation, a choir that we harmonize with here on earth, invites a revolution of God that will not let division have the final word. Salvation belongs to God alone. Even though all the nations and races and creeds and languages are pictured in this divine vision of revelation. Salvation does not belong to any of them. All of them are guilty of promising something to a particular group or people and not coming through on the promises. But God does not break his promises. And what he says will happen, will happen. And what he said is, is says is truth, is truth. That's good news for us today. So here's the truth. The donkeys and elephants can't and won't save us. They exist to instill a sense of freedom that isolates us from one another and from belonging. They attempt to rid us of our belonging identities to tell us that our political identities and our political leanings are more than our identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. They promise salvation, but all they do is bring division. But the Lamb of God <laughs> at the center of the throne, 
The Lamb of God is at the center of a throne, and he's there, and he's been there. And no matter how your election day or week or month goes, and no matter how all of this turns out in the end, whether or not your values or your candidate or your political agenda or animal one, belongers and saints of God, past, present, and future, sing with one voice, salvation belongs to our God who is sitting on the throne and he will wipe away every tear from our eyes and he will get rid of death and division and all of that stuff forever. And so let's be the people of God. In your day tomorrow, as you move back into work, as you go into your work week, let's be the people of God. As you meet with people who voted differently than you and have different values than you and act differently than you and look different than you, let's be the people of God who knows at the end of it all, not a donkey wins, not an elephant wins, but the lamb wins. That's good news. And so I've, I've asked the band to come back up and do a reprise of that last song. But would you pray with me today? Father God, this has been a difficult week. There's been so much that has gone on. And we look at our fractured nation, so fractured, so partisan, so split apart, so much hate, so much strife. But Father, not so not so for the people of God, not so in the house of God, not so for belongers. So Father, would you help us? Would you help us? God, the Holy Spirit, would you see anything that's in us that's, that's divisive, anything in us that's hateful, anything in us that, that, does, that hates people who don't act like us, who don't look like us, who don't vote like us? Father, would you help us to be the people of God? Would you help us to know whether we won or, or whether we lost, you're still on the throne, you're still in charge. <laughs> and no donkey or no elephant or no political agenda will ever be able to move you off of that spot. So help us, Father, the people of God, to have allegiance to the, to pledge allegiance to the Lamb. <laughs> As the old song used to say, I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. And Father, may you be our number one allegiance. May your values be our number one values. May your agenda be our number one agenda. Help us to put ourselves aside and our political parties aside. Sure, we have values. Sure, we vote for candidates that we love. But may our life be aligned with you, the Lamb. Father, we never want to end a service like this without giving an opportunity for, for someone to know you who maybe don't know the lamb, someone who doesn't understand that you, that you came and you moved into the neighborhood and you died on the cross and you got up on Sunday morning and now you are the reigning lamb at the center of the throne and all worship goes to you. So Father, is there someone like that? They can pray a prayer simply like this, whether they're in an auditorium or listening to me online. God, I put my agenda aside and I accept your agenda for my life. Come, 
come and live inside my, my, me. Change me from the inside out. Forgive my sins and my rebellion. I surrender my life and, and, and my heart to you and come and live inside of me. Change me from the inside out. Forgive my sins. Help me to pick up your agenda, to pledge allegiance to you, the Lamb. Now, Father, there might be people in here who, who have been part of the divide. Not that they had a different view or espoused their view, but maybe they did in a way that was not loving. And maybe they just need to say, I'm sorry. Maybe they need to confess to you, confess to someone that they had a conversation with that wasn't of, wasn't of you. Father, I pray today that your Holy Spirit would speak to us in such a way that we would confess and that we would realign our lives, we reprioritize our lives so that you would be the center of our life and that we may join in singing down through all the ages, honor and glory belong to the Lamb. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do. Now help us as we end this service with this moment of praise. In your name, I pray. Amen. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and the children and the children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you he is with you he is with you in the morning in the evening in your coming in your going
message and that it wouldn't just be for this moment, but it would be something that we live out, something that we keep at the forefront of our minds and how we interact, how we see the world. God, we thank you. God, we love you and we praise you and we give you all honor and all glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.